As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozie. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. This is our first episode of 2023. Happy uh, so New Year. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Hope that... Uh, your year is off to a great start. Uh, we know that for many of you, um, this is uh, uh, now starting to hit the the meat of the conference season for basketball. Uh, for those of you that are doing baseball, you're just uh, a little over a week out from uh, the NCAA meetings. For those of you that are going to the Chicago meeting, that'll be coming up on the 14th, 13th, whatever that day is there. I think it's the 14th yeah. uh, uh, up by O'Hare. And so I'll get to see many of you there and looking forward to that. Uh, but it is, uh, it's the time of year where uh, we've gotten through the holidays. We've gotten through all the, the fun and the, the celebration and the chaos that comes along with it. And now all of a sudden it's a reminder that, mm-hmm. man, we, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine on some windshield time and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as soon as the you know, as soon as the holidays are over, I mean, in four weeks after that, basically you're looking at you know conference tournament assignments are coming out. Yeah, they're they're deciding who's going where for conference tournament. So we are. I know that I am more than halfway done with my schedule. Yeah, and uh, we're recording this here in the the waning days of 2022. Uh, so that way this is ready to, to go up for you uh, here at the beginning of 2023. But I was looking at my schedule uh, just uh, last night. Uh, actually, I guess technically it would be this morning because it was about 1.30 in the morning <laughs> when I was finishing up my uh, my office work. But as I was looking at it, um, I have completed 36 games wow. that have been scheduled for me for college games. Mm-hmm. I have 36 more to go. Yeah. So I am officially right smack dab in the middle of my season. Yeah. 
and uh, you know can always keep fingers crossed that a few more games get tacked on at the end of the season. Sure. You know whether mm-hmm. that's you know uh, JUCO regional kind of stuff or D three conference tournaments or whatever that might might look like. But um, at the same time, uh, games get lost. I've got a game that uh, that just got dumped uh, yeah. because of weather and that kind of thing. So you know we know that this is kind of the halfway point for a lot of people. It may not be as exact as 36-36 for somebody, but this is where we're kind of beginning to to feel like, okay, we got through November, we got through December, now here comes January, February, and we know that it ratchets up. Mm-hmm. I mean, every year, we talked about this last year on the podcast, that the expectations get higher, the tension gets higher, um, all of that happens. And uh, we also talked, uh, Jeff and I had a conversation earlier this week. I've talked to a couple other uh, people. Um, you know, when, when we get things wrong, you know, mm. there is there's something that kind of sticks with us. And I don't care if it's you just, you, you, you called a play and it was just dead wrong, mm. you know, and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it now. Uh, that one, you know, we've talked about what do you do? You know, a mistake recovery system, mm-hmm. right? You strategy, know, your MRS, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Mistake recovery strategy. How do you how do you get out of that mistake and get back on track? But it seems like it's so much harder when the mistake is something that feels bigger. You know, it's not just well, I called it a block and it should have been a charge. Now it's uh, oh my gosh, I didn't take care of my schedule and now I got double booked for a day. Yeah, yeah. You know, or it's I've got, um, you know, we we misapplied a rule. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that becomes more and more difficult. And because everything seems more stressful this time of year, it also means that we feel that potentially the ramifications yeah. of those choices, which is what it is. It's choices. If I, if I misapply a rule, it's, I made the choice not to know the rule. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that simple. If I end up being double booked for something, it's because I made the choice not to stay on top of my calendar. Right. I can't put that off on anybody else. That's <laughs> on me. And so, you know, when we get to this time of year, Jeff, you know, what are things that you use to kind of talk yourself through situations where that might be happening to where it doesn't just derail the rest of the season for you. Yeah, well, when you do make that mistake, that rule mistake or, you know, judgment, you know, I think that can go either way. I think you can, you can, uh, you know, understand that it was, sure. I just made a wrong decision. But when we're not keeping our calendar up or we're really misapplying a rule, um, for me, the best thing I can do is, t- is call someone, you know, and ask if they've ever done it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they may nev- never have done it, but... They um, they may have a story that they oh yeah I've heard of this happening before this is a common thing, and it's it never fails or as long as I've been refereeing basketball college basketball it never fails that in the first month in November all the the new college officials or you know first couple years anyway between one of them they have the play where the ball gets stuck between the rim and the backboard. And they argue whether or not we should reset the shot clock. It's always, every year, <laughs> for the past twenty years, this conversation comes across my email. Yeah, I'm like yeah, it's you know, and because the ball hit the rim. Yeah, the ball hit the rim. <laughs> we just reset it. You know what I mean? And and I get it, but I guess that's my point is that all these you know these little different different idiosyncrasies of rules that that happen. 
they, they kind of go in waves, right? So that, what we look at as a simple rule, happens to the first you know, first set of rookie officials. Mm-hmm. And then we got the, the five to ten-year officials. They got, you know, now they're starting to get a little bit more media games. And maybe there's a media rule. And, and then, you know, they got the 10 to 15. And now there's some replay rules. And it, then all those new rules come up. Where I'm fortunate enough that I've lived all through all that already. Sure. You know what I mean? So I've... I, I, and every once in a while, something comes up, you know, and I think a question came up to me last night about, um, um, it was a re- I don't want to get into a bunch of rules, but it was a, it was a question about if we called out of bounds the last two minutes in a, in a replay game and we go to look at it to see who it went off of. And in our review, we found out that there was no out of bounds violation. Ooh. Yeah. Well, well the call was made. Mm-hmm. We can't just take it away. Yeah. You know, and then um, I was talking to this official about it and they go, well, what they did was they did take it away and said, uh, went to the AP arrow mm-hmm. um, because that's, you know, and I, I argued, why is it AP arrow? Because we still had team control unless this was off a shot. If we still had some sort of team control, then we got to give it back to that team who had control. Yeah, so ball. if you're essentially saying it's an inadvertent whistle because there was no out of bounds, right? Then it would go to point of interruption. Point of interruption, which is yeah. still team control, even though the ball is loose and no one's holding it. Sure, we still have control by the shooting team, yeah. unless of course it was a shot. So, you know, those are you know a little bit more higher end type problems mm-hmm. and questions, but. Again, I t- and so I told this official, I said, you know, it happens to everybody. Sure, you know. The, the best thing we can do is share those things in the locker room or share them on our way home with our other referee buddies and our gals and and get it squared away. You, you know, know I, I love it. I was watching TV the other day, and there was a there was a uh, an interview going on, and the person said something that we've talked about multiple times on the podcast, and I was so thrilled to hear somebody else saying it. They said, you know um, – you know, you always want to be able to learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they said somebody who's who's really next level learns from somebody else's mistakes. Yeah. So they don't make those same mistakes. And that's part of the reason why we need to share. You know, mm-hmm. when we when we share stuff, it's not to tear down officials. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to make us look better or anything like that. It's just simply so that other people are aware. I had one brought up uh, just yesterday. You know the opening jump of the game. We all we've we've heard it said over and over. Man, we got to be ready from the go, right? Mm-hmm. And so the ball goes up, and both players swing the same direction, which never happens, right? Okay, except in this particular situation, one of the jumpers was left-handed, one of the jumpers was right-handed. So normally you have two right-handed players, so they're both trying to swat the ball in different directions. Here you got a right-handed player and a left-handed player both swinging. So we'll say both swinging away from the official who's throwing the ball up in the air. Okay. Okay. Swinging towards the scorer's table. Both players touch the ball simultaneously mm-hmm. and the ball goes out of bounds. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah. You got to rejump it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was in this particular situation, they said, well, no, that that's, that's not a violation of the jump. So we can't rejump it. <laughs> I'm like, well, we don't have clear, <laughs> we don't have clear anything yet. Uh, we're jumping that puppy. Listen, did you bring your quarter? Because we're out of options <laughs> here. Right. I need a 50 cent piece then. <laughs> and, uh, and I loved it because, you know, like you said, I don't care if you've been around two years, 10 years, 15 years, 
something's going to come up that you've not seen before. Sure. And maybe it's because of a new rule or new technology that's mm-hmm. introduced, whatever. It's funny that you brought up the the thing about the ball being stuck between the, you know, the rim and the backboard, the flange there, because uh, I just had a conversation with our friend Corky mm-hmm. uh, the other day. And that happened on a game that he and I were on. Mm-hmm. And I said, reset. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I'm like, Touching the rim, man. Yeah, man. See it? See <laughs> you know? it there? Yeah. And so it's kind of been our inside joke, you know, ever yeah. since then. You know, sure. He's like, man, as long as I've been around, like, why didn't I get that? Well, the reason he didn't get it is that was the first year of the 30 to 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's something new. He's processing that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this other part hadn't, you know, come into play. And so we joke about it. But the good news is, is that because we continue to joke about it, neither one of us are going to forget it. Yeah. You know, we're, if, if that happens to us in a game, we're going to be able to do that. Now, the next level part of this, though, is what happens when we have the ability to help our crews. And, and we've talked about this some in the past, but mm-hmm. I, I do think it's important to bring up. I had a situation uh, happen in my game this last week where I knew the rule. I knew the rule 100%. Not 99.9%. I knew the rule 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not the crew chief on the game. In fact, I was the YouTube. Um, we get to this moment. I bring it to the crew's attention. Hey, this is the direction we need to go. Both of my partners are convinced that's not the direction that we need to go. Yeah. Um, and I used all of the all the <laughs> things that we've talked about in this in this podcast. I I used strong language. Mm-hmm. So I said, guys, I am a hundred percent confident this is the correct thing to do yeah did not phase anything right (laughs) we're getting ready to go do it and i use the jeff cross thing where i said guys i am not okay with what we're about to do yeah Mm -hmm. right so i i am using all that language Mm -hmm. okay and at the end of the day it's not my call yeah okay so now here's here's the interesting part and i don't know that we've talked about this a lot uh, on the podcast. And so, okay, we end up in a situation like that where now as an official, I know we've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it, I know it. Mm-hmm. I did communicate with the crew right then. I said, okay guys, then if there's something, if, if there's a piece of this that I'm missing, that it's the reason we need to go this other direction. I said, then I want y'all to know I'm going to go to the rule book as soon as we're done, but it's for my own confirmation so I understand the situation. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, hey guys, as soon as we're done, I'm going to the rule book to prove to y'all you're wrong. Yeah, right, right, right. It wasn't that. Can't wait to show you guys. <laughs> That's right. Instead, <laughs> it was, hey, when you see me going for the rule book, it's not because I'm. I, I need to know for me. Right. All right. This is about me. I'm going to be selfish here. Right. Now, if it happens to prove you wrong, then hopefully we all end up on the same page at the time it's done, right? Sure. But then the problem is, is that now you got to get right back in the game. You got to get right back in the game and be able to trust your partners mm-hmm. and not have the fact that you just kicked it and you're worried what the assigner is going to think. You're worried whatever else is going to happen. And now you don't kick three plays mm-hmm. because you're mad you just kicked the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about mistake recovery strategy, but that's a little different because now it's not your mistake mm-hmm. that you're trying to recover from, you know, uh, and I'm sure it's been a while since you maybe have been in a situation like that. Cause in a, a lot of situations that you're in now, either you are the crew chief or you're working with, 
situations where those type mistakes are probably not going to be made. Um, but you did mention the other day, like, you know, some of the, I'll call them a more nonchalant mistake mm-hmm. can still happen. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we should have gone to media at the beginning of these free throws and we didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're going to go in between free throws yeah. now because that's when we recognize it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So when, when those kinds of things happen, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's a coach who could have said, well, the, why didn't we go to media before they started shooting? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you how do you mistake recovery strategy out of those, even if it's not necessarily your mistake? Yeah, well, my first instinct is to admit the mistake to all involved. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. You know, talk about that yep. situation where the, the situation was a foul just under five minutes. Mm-hmm. So we're in the media window. We shoot the first free throws, and of course, I'm always looking at the clock. But for whatever reason, I had a conversation with the coach. Something was happening, right? And I looked at the the uh, the the clock after the first free throw, and it said 4:58. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> so I just stopped the game. And I said, that's it. We're at, you know, I just yelled out, hey, we're going to media, and I, you know, sent it to media. Then went and told the coach that I was standing next to. Her. I said, we should have been in media before the first free throw, but I I missed it. You know, I didn't recognize it. Now I see it. This is the next dead ball, so we're going. And it, it was okay. That doesn't, to me, you know, that that situation probably, you know, either you're icing them for two free throws mm-hmm. or you're icing them for one free throw. Sure. So to me, the, the person who might be upset is the defensive team. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you let him shoot the one free throw, but not, the, you know. So now, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, you know. And that's that's it. And I yeah. and I, I, when I make a mistake, I have to admit it. I feel so much better when I tell people I made the mistake, whether it's my crew members, the coaches, the table, and that way I can put that problem behind me. It may elevate again after the game's over, but I can put that behind me and I can move on with whatever else is in front of me, and not have to think in my rearview mirror. You know, that's that's really great, especially when it's something that applies directly to us. It gets a little bit trickier, though, when, let's say, it's a it's a partner who's made the mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we, we knew the rule. Partner didn't. And now the coach comes to us while we're in C right in front of them and says, well, how come you guys didn't go to media? You took a media away from us. You mm-hmm. blah, 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 right? And you're sitting there knowing that, yeah, we should have gone to media. I, I don't know what to do about that. How, how do you respond in those kinds of moments? Uh, to me, that's, well, we decided as a crew that it wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if in that situation, right, that it seems yep. to me that wouldn't be my answer. If you were supposed to be in media, the coach is yelling, you didn't go to media, and they ask you, even though you know you should have went to media, mm-hmm. we decided as a crew, we're, you know, yep. it's supposed to be at this part. That's not right. If the coach says, well, that's not right, you can say, you might be right on this play. Mm-hmm. But this is the decision that's been made right now. So, yeah. um, And so- I, I think that's really important, Jeff, because if if coaches, players, fans, game personnel, whoever, if they see us fractured on the floor, mm-hmm. that is going to open up Pandora's box. Yep. It's better for us to live and die with the mistake cohesively mm-hmm. than it is for people to to even get the inkling that well you know i wanted to do it this way but they screwed it up i told them they yeah. wouldn't listen to me right that, mm-hmm. that is not going to get us mileage anywhere at all and you know where i see this a lot i see this a ton on the baseball diamond mm. and so for our baseball umpires that are listening 
And part of the reason for that is a, a lot of times as basketball officials, you know, we're, we're in a pretty contained space. You know, even on a college basketball court, 94 feet long, right? Yeah. But, I mean, a coach can almost communicate with all three officials at any point on the floor. Yeah. They, they really can. Mm-hmm. On a baseball diamond, it doesn't work that way. You got a coach who's down in a dugout. Mm-hmm. You got a first base umpire, you know, who's out past first base. You got a third base umpire up past third base. And you got plate umpire behind a plate. And the first base coach is talking to the first base umpire. And the third base coach is talking to the third base umpire. And it's the batter and the catcher. They're talking to the plate umpire. And so now it's very easy to have conversations with either players or coaches where you feel like this isn't getting back to my partner. So I can say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had a first base coach turn to me and go, man, that pitch looked low, didn't it? You know, and, and as a partner, I've, I've got a couple choices. I could say, yeah, it did. You know, but yeah, that's it. Or I could say, nope, nope, that was, that was perfect. <laughs> and if I know that pitch was <laughs> six inches below the knees, then mm-hmm. now I've just ruined my own credibility right. with that, right? So a lot of times, my answer there is, man, he's got a lot better angle on it than we do. Yeah. He's got a lot better look at it than we do. I'm not I'm not agreeing or disagreeing mm-hmm. with the statement, but I am supporting my partner. Yeah. And I, I think it's I, I think we get into that habit more as as umpires on a baseball field or a softball field. Basketball, you know, it feels a little bit more like we're all in the trenches together. Sure. Because we're all making the same calls. As a base umpire, I don't make strike and ball calls. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, know? right. As a basketball official, we're all calling fouls. We're all calling violations. Yeah. So I think it feels a little bit more cohesive in that moment. But yet I still see moments where, uh, you know, you we all we all know that one referee that stands over in front of the coach and is bad-mouthing his two partners. Oh, yeah. With coach, and, and you can feel it when it happens. I'm telling right now, you can feel it, you can see it, you can smell it. It's there. Mm-hmm. And and if you think for one second you're going to stand next to a coach and talk to the coach and, and say like you're just chumming it up, mm-hmm. I, I I'm only standing at the at the lead position about forty feet from you, maybe mm-hmm. thirty. I can read body language. I'm not an idiot. Yep. I know exactly what you're saying and how you're saying it. So you may think you're getting over on me, but you're not. Yep. And and as far as I'm concerned, there is as as short as we are as an official in officials in every sport, the last thing we need is divisiveness. Oh, absolutely. We just don't need it. Um, you know, I, I I'm I, I want to go back to your your situation at first base. Well, it was low, wasn't it? You know. I'm trying to think of what, because I do this all the time. I, I, I role play, right? What would I say? Sure. And he's got a better look than me. You know, I think that's a good response. But um, I might I might say something along the lines, well, wait till I get back there. I'm sure I'm going to mess up plenty of pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, so giving myself up. Sure. And maybe even admitting that this pitch was low. Mm-hmm. But, well, listen, yep. It's tough to be perfect when you see 500 of them. Mm-hmm. It's just tough. Yeah. So, um, because I, I think it's, it's we're in a little bit of a, like a weird spot there. Because I've always said you can never go, go wrong with honesty, right? Mm-hmm. And you do think it's low. But I also know 
that I'm going to get back there and call something that you think is high. Mm-hmm. Because that's we're, we're forced to make a decision at, at 95 miles an hour um, over the 18 inches. Yeah. So that's just the nature of the beast. So I think that's, I feel like that's what I would probably do. I don't know that that's mm-hmm. what I would do. But quick, the quicker I can give myself up when someone else is talking about uh, my partner, I, I feel better about it. Mm-hmm. So... So another thing I wanted to talk about today, because this, this again is an, an interesting time of year. So um, there are, let's just talk collegiate officiating, okay? And I, I don't care if we're talking, what the sport is that we're talking, with the exception of football, because football is a little different the way they get hired by conferences and things like that. But in, in most of our other sports that we have, um, we as officials are working in multiple conferences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most officials are working multiple levels. Yeah. Okay. There are a a very few. When I when I say few, I mean percentage wise. There's a, a select few that are working just Division One. You know, I, I would put you in that boat, even though you still work a you know potentially a handful of Division Two games over the course of the year. Those are mainly fill in. I don't think you even had any on your schedule really to start the season. But right. as the season's gone on and openings come up, you step in and slide into one of those. There are a few officials that work just at the junior college level. You know, let's say they're primarily high school officials and they work ten or twelve junior college games a year. They don't work any Division Three NAIA anything like that. But the vast majority of collegiate officials are working somewhere in the middle. And part of somewhere in the middle means working lots of games at those different levels, you know? Uh, You got somebody like myself that might work a large percentage of junior college, a large percentage of division three and some division two. And so now spread across three different divisions, Mm -hmm. you know, I have the bulk of, of my games. And there are things that are that are different and unique about each one of those levels. And one of the things that I, I hear a lot lately is, well, you know what? We need to call a Division three game the exact same way we call a Division one game. While I believe that in philosophy, hmm, yeah, I don't believe in it in practicality. And what I mean by that is, is that the, the contact that a Division one player can withstand mm-hmm. is different than the contact a Division three player can withstand. Mm-hmm. And I also mean that the things that you have at your disposal at those different levels, you know, are, are crazy. Um, a lot of people that are, are doing college basketball right now have seen some of the bulletins that have come out about like lights behind the backboard yeah. and horns <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, you know. And it's funny because ever since they brought that up and they have us check both the shot clock horn and the game horn, I bet half of my junior college games, it's been the exact same horn. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's supposed to be two different and distinct horns. Right. And uh, so we checked them both. I remember walking back across the court and uh, I looked at the, uh, I looked at my two partners. I said, that shot clock horn is significantly softer than the game <laughs> horn, isn't it? Liar, liar. <laughs> you know? Pants on fire. And they looked at me like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, I was just thrilled that we had a shot clock horn. Yeah. They're like, oh, neato. <laughs> you know, and at other levels, obviously, you know, there, there has to be that distinct difference or whatever is mm. there. Um, 
but the other side of it is not just in the way we do that, but what I do think we have to do the same is that the expectations have to be the same on us. If I'm willing to work a junior college game, I need to work it every bit as hard as I would work my biggest Division II assignment. Mm -hmm. If you take a Division II game on a Tuesday night because you didn't have anything else going on, and the or let's let's be honest, you took it because the assigner assigned it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? I, I okay, one choice: accept or that's accept. right. <laughs> it's you're going to work that with the same effort and concentration, and everything else, as you're going to work your Division One assignment on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But yet, we don't always see that happening. You know, a lot of times we see officials that, well, it's just a, mm. you know, it, and, and I've used that term before. You know, it's, I see it with high school officials. It's just a girls' game. Mm-hmm. Nothing ticks me off more mm-hmm. than that, in, in part because I have a vested interest in the high school girls' game because those players are going to become the players I officiate at the right. college level. Right. You know, and the better officiating they have at the high school level, the easier my job gets when they come in and they're playing college mm-hmm. ball. Yeah, the, my, this is what I would say. If you if you run into a partner or run into an official that says it's just a girls game or it's just a JUCO game, mm-hmm. you have to ask that official, are you willing to accept when a coach says something that is inappropriate and he says, well, you're just a referee? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? No? Then you should not be okay with saying it's just a JUCO game or mm-hmm. just a high school girls game. So we we have to understand, you know, and I'm, I'm a firm believer, we get what we give. Mm-hmm. We, that's what we – and if you're given that stuff, you're going to get it. And you can't if you can't figure out why you keep getting these these types of remarks and, and, and things that are happening to you on the, on a, on a basketball floor or in, on a baseball field, it's because you're doing those things. And it's mm-hmm. going to follow you around. It will. So sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, no, that's exactly right. And part of what brought on this this discussion today was the idea that you know what these these mistakes are not isolated incidents, mm-hmm. right? These mistakes are more common than we want to think that they are. And all you have to do is hop on YouTube and type in whatever situation you want to type in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Um, I am so good at game management. A fight's never going to break out in my game. Right? Well, go look at some of the officials that have been on some of the fights this year in college women's basketball. Some of the best Mm -hmm. officials in the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have been on those (laughs) games. And Mm -hmm. guess what? Sometimes it just happens. Um, One of the officials that was uh, on my game last night uh, has worked the NAI National Tournament three times mm. um has worked uh works division one all the way down great official and talk about just a great demeanor good communicator with coaches really good at diffusing situations that kind of stuff you know and uh, you know he was sharing the story with us last night of a fight that they had that broke out so bad and so quick that the national governing body was was making phone calls to him two weeks later, mm. you know, and, and eventually saying, look, we have been through this game tape frame by frame, mm. and you guys did everything that you could to keep this from happening. Yep. Sometimes stuff just happens. That's right. 
Yeah. Well, that's no different than a police officer, right? A police mm-hmm. officer doesn't want anyone, doesn't want the neighborhood getting robbed, mm-hmm. but it just happens. We are only three human beings out there trying to in, enforce the rules as written. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on what you're talking about, you know, as the game called differently from division three to it, mm-hmm. it, we want it called the same. And I would agree. I think everyone would agree with that. Probably even most coaches would agree with it. Here's where I see the problem. You can't have a division three game called like a division one game. If you have three officials that never been in a division one game. Ooh. So we, we, as you, as you develop into a Division One official and, and you and you elevate into whatever schedule that looks like for you, you have some more training. You do all your training at Division Three. You do more training at Division Two, and then you do more training at small Division One, and then you do a you know mid level. Now you're working the Power Five. All that came through training, starting at JUCO Division Three. Mm-hmm. So you could say what you want to say, but that's just a pipe dream because you're you're working with you know it could be one person that's five years Division Three. A next person is two years, and the next one is their very first ever Division Three game. So you cannot expect that game to be called like a Division One, you know, Big Ten game. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Yeah, no, that's that's a great thought, and you know, I've had a couple conversations with Cruz recently about how there are some calls that just seem like no brainer calls to some officials, mm-hmm. that to other officials seem like really difficult decisions. Yeah. The only difference between the two is the one who says, well, that's a no-brainer call. They've seen it enough times right. that now their brain automatically defaults to what the answer is. Yep. And the other official hasn't seen it enough times for that to happen. Process, process, process. Window closes. Yep. No call. Yep. yep. And, and, you know, I, I've been reminded of it this year. You know, my son is working basketball for his very first year. Mm-hmm. And he's worked, you know, a bunch of sixth grade games. He's worked mm-hmm. some JUCO games. He's worked some some private high school JUCO? varsity. Sorry, I say JUCO junior high. Sorry, not like, JUCO. Man, he made a big jump there all of a sudden. Didn't he? Like, no, sixth grade games, junior high games, sure. seventh and eighth in Illinois. They call it junior high games, right. and then um, some private high school varsity games. Mm-hmm. And I was a little worried about him because. You know, you make that little jump there, and sometimes that can be a negative rather than a positive. It ended up being a really positive experience for him, in part because of the partner that he had. Mm. Uh, his partner, uh, Eric Regas, a, a yeah. local high school coach here, and really solid official and yep. good teacher, mentor, all that kind of thing. And so it was, well, it was he's a an great educator partner. by yeah. trade, yeah. so yeah. And uh, so he, he was a great partner for Caleb to have. And Caleb came back from that game so encouraged. Like, I, I hadn't heard him be that excited about refing basketball yet Mm. and the reason that he was is because some of the grunt work that he'd been putting in on those sixth grade games Mm -hmm. he's like well it was easier because like they they could dribble more than two steps without tripping over their feet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so now when the mistakes showed up he was able to more easily identify them be confident in his call sure you know whereas two years from now if he's still doing this I mean, he's not even gonna think about it. He's just yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's travel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, that's double dribble. Oh yep, that's foul. Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't even think about it anymore. Well, yeah, and I think that's to take it the, to another step. Not only does he say, "Oh, that's a travel. Oh, that's foul," right? 
as you get more training and more you see more plays, you're able to see a travel out of the corner of your eye now mm-hmm. while you're watching post-play physicality. You're like, okay, you know, no foul, no foul, no foul. And you go, oh, that's traveling a corner of your eye. We're able to do that then, you know, and we, our vision just gets so much wider and we're, we're able to make um, educated guesses on plays that we don't have the 100% angle we want, but we've seen enough of these plays. And we, like we talked about earlier in a podcast, you know, sometimes it's it's through someone else's mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, they send you the clip, go, hey, do you think that's a travel? And you go, oh, look at it. Anyway. Yeah, it sure is, right? Yep. And we've seen it. We've seen it again and we've seen it again. And um, it's uh, it's it's our opportunity to be able to to up our education and up our skill level and our craft through officiating by getting these reps in, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. You know, when it's you know that's just a girls' game that, that these are reps, and that's mm-hmm. how you got to think of it. You know, when we go to the gym and work out, we don't go well. You know, it's not the rogue bench press, so I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do. Yep. It's still weight. That's right. And uh, last week I, I mentioned uh, the last time we recorded that I had, had worked one of my first high school games of the year. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I enjoy the opportunity, and, and the official literally asked me because there was a, a I was originally assigned to a high school boys game, and the uh, there was another official that needed to get off of their high school girls game because of the time that it started. He could make a later game, couldn't make the earlier game, and it was like one of those. It was a around here they call them double bubbles. So you work a JV varsity girls game, same crew with three people, work both those games. For the lingo. That's right, Double man. bubble. Double bubble. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, you do that versus just working the high school boys varsity game, which started at 7 or 7.30 at night, whereas mm. this one started at like 5 or 5.30. Right. So I had the flexibility. I just made the switch. And one of my partners asked me, oh, man, I figured if you were working a high school game, you'd be on a, you'd be on a boys game. Right? I said, well, well, hold up. I said, first of all, I think that the girls' games need just as high quality officiating as the boys' games mm-hmm. do. Again, I have a vested interest in that because of what I do at the collegiate level, right? But I said, but look, if if I'm going to get some high school reps in, why wouldn't I get two games in instead of one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said because I'm going to see things in this JV game tonight that I don't get to see very often at the collegiate level. Yeah. But. If I've seen them here now on that one weird opportunity where it happens at in the college level, now I've seen it recently mm-hmm. and it's easier for me to make the call. Yeah. You know, and it's it's one thing that I find really frustrating about officials that say they won't work a certain level. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who just because of the amount of schedule that they carry can't work certain levels. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that you don't work Division three basketball. Because you don't have open dates to work Division right. Three basketball. Mm-hmm. If you have an open date, it's filled with a Division One or a Division Two game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even up into the last couple of years, you've still worked the JUCO games mm-hmm. on your off nights, mm-hmm. yeah. Because one, the need or the connection with the mm-hmm. assigner or whatever it might be. I'm still trying to twist Jeff's arm into working a JUCO date for me coming up here. And so those kinds of things happen. For the first date, it's right here. That's right, yeah. (laughs) So it's the kind of thing where, you know, uh, it's not about a game being beneath us or below us. Even if it's, you know, that Division I game might be a 50-point blowout. 
And that JUCO game might be a triple overtime. Mm -hmm. Which one's harder to work? Yeah, right. You know? And both of those situations, though, give us opportunities to learn. Mm -hmm. I was in a game last night that was a blowout game. There were things that I learned. There was some game management stuff I learned. The winning team that was winning by like 40 points ends up with two technicals at the end of the game. Yeah. You know, how do you manage that? How do you right. deal with that? Right. I mean, it's it's good to learn because now I'm going to end up in that two-point ball game and, and hopefully I'm better at dealing with it. You know, uh, one of the things that I learned from working lower-level games, um, and I remember this distinctly. It happened – it happened – a number of years ago, but I was working Division One basketball. Still, probably I don't think I was working Division Three, but I was working like a lot of Division Two and a, you know a lot of Division One. And I, I worked at the ACSI mm-hmm. at Grace where we used to host that there. And it, it, I worked with you one time, but this wasn't with you. It was with uh, a couple officials out of Champagne. Okay, because for whatever we needed a third. What the thing I learned was the window to call a foul on a violation doesn't close near as fast as we think it does. Okay. So because we think of that and go, oh, you know, we got to get it right away. If we don't get it right away, you know, we can't. And I remember distinctly going that you know, a foul had happened. It was way out of my primary, but it happened. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And this kid's laying on the ground. And, you know, the, the the other kids getting ready to, like, start dribbling the ball. This was a long, dramatic pause. Mm-hmm. And I hit the whistle, and I put a foul on the kid. And um, no one said a word. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, that was a long time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then I and this is how long it was, because later in the game, there was a play where um, I called a foul that went against this coach, That the first one that took a long time for me to call. Mm-hmm went in favor of, of them. And I was standing in front of him. And he's like, you call that foul, but you wouldn't call the other foul where my kid got knocked out. And I said, I did call the foul. Mm-hmm. He said, no, you didn't. And I looked over at the assistant sitting behind him. I said, I called, and when we talking about the same play, I called that foul, right, where the kid got knocked out? And he goes, yeah, you did. And the co- head coach turned around looked at him. That's how late it was. Sure. You weren't even sure it was the same play you were right, calling. Right, <laughs> exactly. But my point is, I learned in that situation that the window doesn't close near as fast as we think it is, and we have an opportunity to get those plays. And I know that may be an advanced way of thinking, but when we see plays, a lot of times we know their fouls a couple instances right after they happen when nobody has gotten them. And then we get a, then we have a chance, but we don't have the courage to just blow the whistle and go. Okay, the, as soon as I blow the whistle, that means I've stopped the window from closing. Mm-hmm. So that was a great learning concept for me. Um, that was and, a, and you know that's when we hear a lot, and we hear it a ton from the crowd. Oh, that's a late call. Mm-hmm, that's a late sure. call. You know who you don't hear it a ton from is coaches. Yeah, right. Players that I mean, got fouled. You really don't. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and even the ones that do, it's a pretty easy conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, Coach, I just took time to process that before I put air in the whistle. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give every opportunity. I had a I had a play that not too long ago, and it was a similar situation to that. And a girl had begun to lose her balance. She'd fallen. She'd bumped into the player. It was obviously a foul. But the player, I thought, was going to keep their balance and keep going. Okay. And so I didn't want to take an advantage away from that offense. Mm-hmm. 
But then the girl goes down. She can't maintain her balance. And mm-hmm. so I hit the whistle mm-hmm. for the foul. And the coach said, man, that was, that was kind of a late whistle, Chad. I said, I was, trying to, I was trying to save a foul for your player. I said, if that offensive player could have maintained their balance at all and kept going, I wasn't going to put a foul on your player. Mm-hmm. I'd already decided it was a foul. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just waiting. Oh, well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I wish you could have kept her feet. <laughs> Me too, coach. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Yeah. But then, I mean, it totally diffused the situation. Mm-hmm. Even though, like you said, I mean, it was it was probably two, three seconds, which feels like forever. It does. On a basketball court. It feels like a long time. And yeah. it's probably really not even two or three seconds. It's more like a yep. second. Yep. But it just, because everyone's moving so fast, it just feels like a long time. Mm-hmm. And I had a play just this past weekend where this girl gets tripped from behind, what I think she gets tripped from behind. And... But I didn't quite see her get tripped. It was kind mm-hmm. of in the area of intersection. And this girl starts, you know, rumbling and stumbling towards my feet, trying to maintain her balance. And I'm thinking, okay, all my my years, right, mm-hmm. of training and seeing film. Tell me it's the foul. Yeah. There's something telling me it's the foul. Kids just don't fall down on their own. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do. But a majority of the time, there's some sort of contact that causes them to do that. And I put a whistle on a play. And no one said a word. Yep. Late whistle. Like, she's, like, laying on the ground, like, oh, yeah, that's a trip. You know what I mean? I got this mm-hmm. one. So um, when you start developing that skill of understanding the training that you've had over the years, it's going to pay off mm-hmm. to in a situation to where um, you really could be needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I thought I had another story, too, Chad, and I'm sorry I've kind of spaced it out. But there was another thing about um, uh, what I learned – um, you know, what I learned when I was working these under-level games. Oh, that, I know that's what I want to share with you. So you're talking about these, um, your partner saying, I, I thought, well, if you're a college official, I figured you'd be at a boys game tonight. Mm-hmm. I remember starting, you know, getting, you know, whatever, hand, you know, a couple good Division One schedules. And I was still working JUCO, and one of uh, the person who is working JUCO and maybe Division Two says to me, he said, you know, I don't understand why you're still working this. Mm-hmm. Well, because I still need reps. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were fully convinced that I need to get out, out of it. That way it would make my game better. But ultimately, I'm going to argue that me working, if you want to call it lower level, subpar, whatever that basketball is, it's... You know, it it developed me into where I am today, mm-hmm. and that's the reason I'm fortunate enough to have the schedule I have. It's because of the 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 just junk grind, four hours, hundred twenty five dollars, getting home at one o'clock in the morning, driving through snow, get that kind of work, so that way I can go to U of I tomorrow and work. Yeah, and you know, I've I've seen this a lot. Um, if if tomorrow I was given a Division One schedule, now mm-hmm. that's not happening. But if if that did, mm-hmm. the games that I would be on would be lower level Division One games, mm-hmm. probably not super competitive. And there's no way in the world I'm sniffing the postseason. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? But guess what? At the JUCO level, at the D three, I got really good games, right? You know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna work a tournament coming up that's got some heavy heavy hitters coming. Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna have a, at least a shot at getting some postseason, you know, action. Mm-hmm. And you can't replace that kind of experience, you know. 
being able to to go up against teams that are evenly matched, that is competitive, that's winner go home, that's what helps really propel you to the next levels. You know, and you you take somebody who's a division three conference tournament official who's worked postseason, who's done that kind of stuff, versus somebody that works a ton of division two but's never had games like that. Mm-hmm. My guess is that division three official is the better official. Mm-hmm. And the only way you get those reps is by continuing to work at those levels. Yeah. Let me let me see if I can explain it to you this way. This is the best way I can explain it. If you get hired division one, whatever. Say you grab five games. Mm-hmm. And they're all five in November. Mm-hmm. And now when you go to work, your other games in November, don't you just walk in the place with a little bit more confidence? Sure. Because you got that assignment? Automatically. Yep. You know what I mean? You're still very taking your job very seriously, but you just have a little bit more confidence because you know that you have you've were able to referee a, a Division One basketball game at, in high skill level. Mm-hmm. That same thing happens from the people that are around you, from coaches, players, and everything, right? You don't think they're watching ESPN Plus, watching games, mm-hmm. and they go, didn't I just see you at UIC? And now you're down here working this game? Automatically, they already have more confidence in you. Mm-hmm. Automatically. Yep. So this is what happens. You know, this 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 experience that we get, it helps our self-confidence, and it also helps the confidence that the people around us have in us. Oh, yeah. So it, it kind of like it, you know, it, it's 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 a twofold scenario. You walk and talk more confident, and the people around you see what you did, and walk and talk more confidently. You know, uh, I had a game with um, um, Tim Daly at Western Illinois on um, on fr- Friday, I think it was. I thought it was a Friday, and he just got back from South Carolina on ESPN Plus or ESPN Two. Yeah. Well, every player saw Tim on the game. And they're saying, hey, yeah, we saw you. We saw you working the game. We saw you working the game. Tim could have went out there and refereed in one leg, one a patch over his eye, <laughs> and a full beard, and he would have thought he was the best ever because of what he did yesterday. Sure. That's just the way it works. And you know, when people have Final Fours, what when people go to the Final Four and say they lay an egg, they don't do very well at all. They're still gonna come back with its Final Four credentials, and they're still gonna have that confidence around them, the people that are going to be like, okay, we trust them. And this is part of the reason why we need to take every opportunity that's afforded to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we we don't know who's going to be where. I There was a guy who was an assistant coach at a very, very prominent JUCO program. He went to be the assistant in another program. So he's there at the game I'm working last night. Mm. For a head coach that's a huge winner but has never seen me on his court before. And as I'm walking out there, that assistant elbows the head coach and goes, you're going to like him. Yeah, He's a good official. Mm-hmm. Like literally heard the conversation <laughs> between the two of them. All because I'd worked at that other level yep. and it worked hard. Mm-hmm. I've worked some Division One preseason stuff. Never worked a Division One regular season game in my life, but I've worked as much preseason stuff as people will give me the opportunity to do, <laughs> right. right? Because I think it makes me better. But guess what the byproduct of that is? Some of those assistant coaches for those Division One programs are now Division Two head coaches. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And they see me walk onto their court. Yep. They don't see me as, oh, that's the preseason guy. Yeah. Oh, 
I saw him at Northern Illinois University. Yeah. I mm-hmm. saw him at Northwestern. Yep. I saw him wherever. And now all of a sudden, I get a little bit of yep. you know, cachet there mm-hmm. sure. that I wouldn't necessarily have if I was just like, well, I don't work that level. I'm not going to go work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If, we, if you would have said, well, it's just a Juco game. It's mm-hmm. just a D3 game. You would have had a chance to you know, make a little bit of uh, um, referee clout. That's right. You know, per se. So yeah, I think uh, we 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 miss those opportunities and and if you're working, I, I want also wanted to say this. If you're saying it's just a girls game, you don't want you don't want a coach that's 10 and 1 to hear that. Mm-hmm. Cuz this coach is looking to make it to the, you know, regional finals, sectional finals. And they're ten and one, and you're going. It's just a girls' game. That's not a that's not a good way to to, to start things off. So, um, and you definitely don't want to say it in reverse when they're one in ten. Mm-hmm. Well, no wonder we're one in ten. Yeah, you know this this guy or gals over here going. It's just a girls' game. So, I, I think ultimately, it's what comes out of our mouth can be. It can help us a lot. It can really sink our ship, though. Sure, it can. And the other thing is, you never know who you're working with. Yeah. You know, you're you're a Division One official that gets a D three assignment, and you may not have worked a D three game all your life. I mean, Jeff works for the consortium. If Patty assigned him to a CCIW game on his next off day, I guarantee you, Jeff's going to be there working. Mm -hmm. And if he walks into that gym, and he's got the attitude of, "Well, this is just a D three game." Think about the impact that's going to make on us two partners. Right. You know, oh, I mean, this was a big game for me, but <laughs> Jeff says it's just a yeah. whatever. You know, I mean, think about how deflating that can be, how demoralizing that can be. And, you know, if, if you're a college official that goes and works high school games, man, you ought to be the example of what an official is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be going through the motions. You shouldn't yeah. be taking it easy. For one thing, it's at least 10 feet shorter than the court we're used to running up yeah. and down. So that should be easy. Oh, so easy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And we should be catching those little things that mm-hmm. other people don't catch. Mm-hmm. We should be doing that. So then people go, man, look what I could aspire to mm-hmm. rather than, oh, that person's just here picking up a check on an off night. Yep, that's exactly right. And I, and I remember doing that in high school nights. I mean, I was mm-hmm. when I was working high school basketball and trying to work college basketball, I'm I'm trying to grab time of possessions. I'm doing all this stuff. I remember working um, with another college official who was working Division three, and I was – I was working, uh, you know, sprinkled in a couple Division One games, Division Two, and uh, there was a situation on a free throw um, where the coach thought the clock didn't run, and mm-hmm. this Division Three official, established Division Three official, it was a high school game, um, comes to me and says, uh, "Coach doesn't think the clock ran," and I said, "Well, it was at nine point three at the free throws, and it's at eight point seven, so it ran." Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes, "I knew you'd know, right?" That's what he <laughs> says. I knew you'd know that. Because just of the more reps I had and the more things he knew that I'm always working on something. I'm not coming out here just trying to mail it in, trying yeah. to grab my 50, 60 bucks. So yeah. that's that's the way to success as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, and the last thing I'll say on this, and then we're going to let you all go for today. Because some of you may be saying, okay, why are you bringing this up? I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the season. This is what we're doing. Well, guess what? It may not be that you go, this is just a D3 game or it's just a girls game or it's whatever. It may be, 
well, this is just three versus 11 in mm-hmm. the conference. Mm-hmm. Sure. This is a 25-point blowout tonight. It's going to be an easy night. Guess what? Sometimes those nights are the nights that you go double overtime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to be locked and loaded no matter what, ready to go. And so I hope that you will take that approach. I think it'll make you uncommon. We talked today about this idea of, you know, we don't need to just have a mistake recovery strategy for our own mistakes, but how do we own crew mistakes? How do we move on from them? Whether whether we were on board with it or not, how do we do that? You know, how do we take enough ownership and pride in what we do that we step onto the court ready to give our best every time we hit the court? And and the truth is our best may be better today than it was yesterday or mm-hmm. maybe worse. You know, I, I physically may not be as good. I mentally may not be as fresh, but I got to give the best I've got every night. Mm-hmm. You know, coaches expect that of their players. Uh, we should expect it of ourselves yeah. uh, whenever we hit the court. And uh, I think if we begin to do those things, uh, we'll be uncommon in the way we pursue success. Yeah, I think you're you're, you're exactly right. And once you reach that, that, that uncommon thinking and you find that success, you'll be glad you put the work in. Absolutely. Everybody, happy 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking forward to a great season. Shoot us your uh, thoughts. Uh, Let us know your questions as we hit the new year. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Best way to contact us is uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. Talk to you all soon. See you all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.